0: Hello there and welcome to the Every Ounce Podcast. Here we talk all things mental health, wellness, and resilience. I'm your host Lexi and I am determined to bring you a one-stop shop for all things related to mental might. Join us for talks about naps and fruit snacks to the most real and raw conversations of life. This is where you will find community, validation, and most importantly, strength. Hello there, and welcome back to the podcast. Today, I'm sitting down recording a solo episode with me, myself, and I to answer all of the questions you submitted. Stay tuned to hear all about the fruit snack hierarchy, how I pushed through recovery even when it seemed easier to quit, and what the future is for every ounce. I feel like this is the point in the podcast where I should say, welcome to the podcast. Lexi <laughs> but it's just me here today and I figured it was about time that I reintroduce myself and give you what I'm hoping is like the spark notes version of my mental health and eating disorder story if you've been following me for a long time I'm sure you've heard it before and if you're a close family member or friend you probably lived it with me so I'll give you the super quick um, spark notes version of my mental health and eating disorder story so I was struggling with depression at a young age, probably in when I was about in seventh grade-ish. Growing up, I was always very perfectionistic, um, very academic, and um, things just kind of led one thing to another. And I decided I wanted to get healthy around ninth grade. I I really set a goal to be healthy. This was in January of 2017, and um, I was really just obsessed with health. And things started to spiral out of control. Long story short, I was diagnosed with an eating disorder at the age of 15 on October 9th of 2017. Um, I was diagnosed with anorexia and I was admitted to primary children's hospital. I stayed there for the following six days and then I was discharged with a feeding tube, an NG feeding tube that went up my nose, down my throat and into my stomach um, that I would have for the following four months. So I did that feeding tube at night and then I did a a whole regular meal plan um, during the day. So a lot of care, and um, I know a feeding tube sounds really scary, but it was super beneficial to my recovery. So I'm incredibly grateful as much as it was very difficult at the time. My recovery team consisted of an eating disorder therapist, a specialized eating disorder dietitian, and my pediatrician. And then I also just had the support from my family and my friends and church leaders, my coworkers, things like that, um, to really foster a good environment for a full and fast recovery. About a year later, I declared myself fully recovered. So in October of the next year, and I've been doing advocacy things, related things ever since. So I am very active on social media. You can follow me on Instagram at every ounce out of strength. Um, you can also find my website, which I will link in the show notes. You can listen to this podcast, which if you've already found it and you're listening to this great job, you already found it. Um, it's called every ounce. And I do some legislative advocacy things. I do some things through the National Eating Disorder Association, like walks and events and different things like that. Um, So my life is really, really filled with advocacy, just as much as it was once filled with an eating disorder. Um, This coming Friday, which is when this episode will be released, is my 19th birthday. And so I wanted to record this episode for a few reasons. One, I thought it was a it was about time it was due for a reintroduction and two i didn't have a guest this week to record with so just how scheduling worked out i had an open spot and i've been wanting to do a QA for a while so i figured why not this is the best time let's do it so that's why we're sitting down here today if you didn't get your question answered in this episode feel free to shoot me a message shoot me an email Whatever it might be, I'm happy to answer it, but a disclaimer that I can't answer individual questions pertaining to your specific situation. I can really only answer theoretical situations or send you resources just for um, ethical reasons. So jumping right in, one of the first questions was, what eating disorder or disorders did you have? And I was originally diagnosed with anorexia. That's the diagnosis that I officially received from my pediatrician that is actually recognized in the DSM-5, which is the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual. I often say, and I have self-diagnosed, basically, myself with orthorexia. Um, My eating disorder showed itself through health obsession and through fitness focus. Um, And of course, there were some body image things, but obsessed with tracking and calories and numbers, it was all about the numbers. So. For me i say that i had orthorexia and anorexia just because i received those diagnoses i I obviously didn't receive a diagnosis of orthorexia but of anorexia and then i um if if orthorexia was a recognized mental illness i would imagine that that's what i would have been diagnosed with but it's not so i am an advocate for all eating disorders and for just mental health in general so you might see some things on my account for binge or bulimia or even like osped any of those things i did not personally have an experience with that Um, But I can have a lot of sympathy. I have a lot of compassion for those individuals that have because I can relate to their situations. And um, just being in the eating disorder world, I can see the need for awareness and for treatment. So I do advocate for, for eating disorders in general. The next question is, what helped you push through recovery even when it seemed easier to quit? And this is a really good question because recovery is really, really hard. Recovery for me was almost harder than having an eating disorder was. And so a lot of people in recovery, when they hear that, they might think, well, why would I want, why would I recover if it's going to be harder? You know, is it even going to be worth it? And, and the answer to that question is yes, it's absolutely worth it. But at first I didn't want to recover. I didn't really have a choice though. I honestly, like, that's really what it comes down to. I was recovering for my doctors, for my parents, for my teachers. I didn't have an option. I was underage. I had to be there. I had to be in therapy. Um, I had to be doing it. And slowly but surely, I recovered for them. And I eventually told myself, you know what? I deserve a successful future without an eating disorder. And that's when I really started to muster up all my energy and put it towards getting mad at my eating disorder, recognizing that eating disorder voice and pushing for full recovery. Um, So originally it was hard, especially if you don't have a good support team, if you don't have a lot of resources in your toolbox, pushing through recovery, even when it probably would be, it probably would be easier to quit. It really would, but it's not worth it to quit. It's worth it to keep going. Um, And it's, Guys, if you could only see how absolutely phenomenal and how absolutely wonderful life is without an eating disorder, you would be even more inspired and encouraged to, like I say, I I, I, I like to say, dig deep inside yourself, find any ounce of strength you can find, and you do that day after day after day until you prove to your eating disorder that you want to recover. And um, some of what I just said was from um, a letter that I wrote my eating disorder when I was in recovery. And that's what I told it, that I would fight with every ounce of strength. So pushing through recovery is hard. It's really hard. It's definitely not easy. But you have to think about if recovery wasn't worth it, there wouldn't be recovered people out there. If it wasn't real, there wouldn't be people like myself and many others that are doing absolutely phenomenal work, fabulous things. They wouldn't dedicate their education. They wouldn't dedicate their career. They wouldn't dedicate the rest of their lives to advocacy and for to awareness. You have to put your trust in those that have gone before you. You have to put your trust, even though it's exceptionally hard, exceptionally hard, to put your trust in a dietitian or in a therapist. They know what they're doing for the most part, unless your therapist isn't necessarily specialized. And obviously that's a different situation. But Most more than likely your therapist has probably treated this before you're not the first and you're not the last, unfortunately, and you have to put your trust in the fact that full recovery is real. It's very worth it and it's very possible. Another question referred to how do you know you're in recovery like what does that actually mean. And for me it was very clear that I was in recovery for an eating disorder because I had an official diagnosis after I was diagnosed post-diagnosis I was in recovery so I often call that my eating the development of my eating disorder is like pre-diagnosis diagnosis diagnosis, and then I had recovery which was post-diagnosis so for me it was easy to tell um so I would say as soon as I started to working towards eliminating my eating disorder and having it fade into the background until it was absolutely volume zero um that's when you're in recovery, when you're actively working towards it. If you have, if you know you have an eating disorder, even if you don't necessarily have a diagnosis, or even if you think you have an eating disorder, but you're not doing anything about it and you're just kind of mumbling along, I wouldn't say you're really in recovery. I don't think there's really a clear cut boundary there. It's, it's kind of gray because if you're not making strides forward, you're just kind of stuck. And I would say that that's just kind of like, you're in the eating disorder. You're just in the eating disorder, you're in diet culture, you're in that world of, of um, health obsession or um, fat phobia and, and not in a place of health at every size or intuitive eating. That doesn't necessarily mean that your eating disorder is continuing to develop. Although if you stay at that, at that same place for a long period of time, you're definitely going to continue to develop an eating disorder rather than develop into recovery. So I think recovery, if I had to give a definition to it, would be the active pursuit of reaching a a life filled with food freedom and a life filled with the possibility and the potential without an eating disorder. And like I said before, it's so incredibly worth it. If you're making that effort, then you are most definitely in recovery. And recovery is not linear. Don't think that you're always going to be quote unquote improving. You might not. It's up and down. It's this way, that way. It's, it's a roller coaster of a ride. So give yourself some grace. Like I say, that's my motto. Give yourself some grace. Cut yourself some slack. But also extend yourself and hopefully some others are giving you some tough love to, to focus on recovery. So going into some questions that aren't necessarily about eating disorders for a minute, um, a lot of people asked what my job is right now. Like, what's your job right now? Where do you work? What's up? So an update on my life currently, I am a psych major at Utah Valley University. Um, I am a junior academically. So I will graduate next spring. So spring of 2022 is my expected graduation date. And then I'm hoping to do the CMHC program here, um, which is clinical mental health counseling and which means I will be here for another two years if I get into that program. I currently work at a gym here in Orem, so I'm I'm living in the Orem-Provo area in Utah, which is like the dead middle of Utah. Um, Maybe not the dead middle. It's in the Utah Valley, okay? It's like in the middle-ish. So. I work at a gym here which provides me an interesting insight. I'm not going to lie. Because I'm an advocate for eating disorder recovery and for eating disorder awareness, but I'm also a lover of exercise. I love movement and there's nothing wrong with that. And so it gives me an interesting perspective to to kind of sit back and watch and learn from other people and to reflect about my own relationship with exercise and recognize what's healthy and what's unhealthy where where's the line of pushing yourself but not overdoing it what's the line of exercising for your mental health and for reasons other than weight loss and then exercising as punishment and um, to change your body you know what's that line and so I've been able to see that in in my position at, at work and before I worked At the gym, I worked in a parks and recreation program. And so I've seen hundreds of thousands of sports games be played from baseball to basketball, soccer, football, flag football, softball, you name it. Um, I've watched it, score kept it, refed it, whatever. And so I've been able to see in that regard as well both parents and kids and their relationship with exercise and with activity. And I can I can see the benefits and I can see the disheartening aspect of it where I mean kids will be walking out and their parents will be like, hey, you should have got that. You should have caught that. You should have ran harder. You could have made that. And then I also see others that are, hey, you know what? Good job. You had a lot of fun. You learned and we're going to keep going. And you're we're going to keep we keep, keep on going with our day. We're going to keep on going with this sport. We're going to just keep on trucking. Um we're having a good time. And I've seen that both in recreation and at the gym. So in all of the recreation things that I have done, um, it's really reflected and it's given me really interesting insights. So yeah, that's what I do right now. That was a very long-winded answer for my job, but yes, that's me. Um, my dream job is definitely to become a clinical mental health counselor. So do that CAMHC program. I would love to be an author. I that's the first thing I always wanted to be. My first job when I was the youngest I can remember, like second, first or second grade, when you asked me what I wanted to be, I would have said I want to be a writer. I want to be a writer. And to be an author, I just think would make my heart so happy. I have a recovery workbook that's self-published and available on Amazon that you can you can use, which is fantastic. And I I adore that. But I kind of want to write more of like a biography, like, like an autobiography. Um, and just kind of a, I don't know, a very hopeful book of healing of my story of what I've done. I don't know. I just think that'd be super fun. So I want to obviously be an author someday and my future practice, I will hopefully open. I hopefully will do more motivational speaking, do some courses, you know, the whole nine yards do therapy. So that's the behind the scenes of my dream, I guess I'm excited. I mean, I mean, even if we're dreaming really big now, I'm now I'm dreaming really big. I would I want to open my own practice. I want to hire on other clinicians that are specialized in other areas. I want to have like a like a fitness studio that like we can have like a yoga instructor come and do like body image positive yoga or something that's specific to those that are in recovery or just dealing with body image, something like that um i just think it would be super cool and then also like hire on like anti-diet dietitians so that all of your recovery for an eating disorder could be in one spot you could have a pedi- you could well you wouldn't have a pediatrician you could have a psychiatrist you could have a dietitian you could have a therapist all in one spot and so the communication i think would be so much better than across organizations and trying to find a bunch of different people and dealing with insurance and the logistics of it is just insane so having a one-stop shop for A specialty in eating disorders and then just mental health in general, having clinicians that are specialized in other areas. So I'm excited. That's the future. That's in the long future, though. Um, Who knows when that'll happen, but it'll happen someday, I'm sure. Another individual asked, where do you want to live? Maybe like one place realistic and one like wildest dream. I honestly can't imagine myself. I don't know. I feel like I'll be in Utah for a long while, if not forever, just because. I obviously am here. I'll probably, my husband will probably be from here because I'll probably meet him here, meaning his family is probably here. So logistically, it just makes sense to be in Utah. Um, But if I got to pick and like logistics and all of that wasn't like a huge factor, I've always wanted to live on the East Coast. I've always wanted to live like um, over in like, boston like just outside of boston i think there's a place called cambridge is that is that true i honestly don't know um just outside of boston in massachusetts somewhere like east coast not like in the dead heart of new york but somewhere surrounding it so um that's kind of the dream i guess i don't know if that'll ever happen but it's not super crazy like that's not like a wildest dream but it's like semi-realistic okay another question is when is laundry day so I don't know about you guys, but my like catch up day, like my rest day is Sunday. I do my laundry on Sunday because I don't go anywhere. I go to church and then I come home and I usually wash my hair. I do my laundry. That's probably why you guys don't see me on like my stories a lot on Sunday is because I'm mentally taking a break. I'm chilling out on my couch, watching a show with my siblings or who knows what I'm eating cookie dough on the, you know, on my bed, taking a nap. So that's kind of when I do laundry. I don't know. It's just easy for me. And then I have all clean clothes for the next week. Um, my favorite animal is probably, it used to be a giraffe because I figured I needed, I need a, like, I need favorite animal. Like when people ask me that, I need to know what to say. So I just kind of like picked one. So it's like, oh, let's go with giraffe. But the more, as I've gotten older, I think my favorite is definitely a hedgehog. They're just so cute. Like some of them are mean for sure, but they're just so cute. I don't know if I'd ever want a hedgehog because I don't know if I'd want to take care of it. But if I had like a friend with a hedgehog, I'd go visit it like every day. So yeah, I think hedgehogs are super cute. I'm also really coming to love turtles, but not like big turtles, not like tortoises, but like little itty bitty tiny turtles. They could like fit in your hand. Like they're so cute. If you want to see more amazing turtles, you can check out my turtle highlight. (laughs) on my Instagram which actually there's a whole story behind that as well with a friend and I that send turtle pictures back and forth for mental health things so there's a whole story behind that but it's near and dear to my heart um but yeah maybe someday when I open up my practice I'll have a a little therapy a little therapy turtle in my my office and its name it already is named I don't even know if this turtle is going to exist but if it does his name is going to be Franklin very cute Along with talking about pets, my favorite Ginger moment. So for those of you that don't know, we have a cat at my house where my parents live um, named Ginger. She's very cute. She's about two or three um, orange house cat. Um, She's an indoor cat. So growing up, we always had this another cat, but it was an outside cat named Blackie. It was obviously the color of black um, and black and white um but it was always an outside cat and then we also had rabbits like we went through so many different rabbits but i had a a bunny specifically like it was my bunny and his name was cookie um he was also black and white very creative names here but ginger is our cat now she is she's she's really cute she's really cute but she's she's a little ditzy i'm not gonna lie she's um she's funny like she really likes water she likes to not she doesn't like to get it on her but she likes to like if the sink is just barely dripping she really likes to sit there and watch it and like lick it or she likes to go sit in the tub after you've just showered um weird things like that she's just weird or she'll be running down the hallway and she'll like accidentally hit up the the stairs like the pole that goes down the stairs because she can't decide which way she wants to go or she plays with hair ties she just loves hair ties so anytime we leave hair ties out I have three sisters so anytime we leave hair ties out she'll go and grab them and then truck them to her after she plays with them for a while she throws them around plays with them she goes crazy and then she'll she'll take them to her water dish and put them in her water dish so she's really fun um, my favorite ginger moment though, hmm, either probably when I, w- I was laying in my bed and I lit- I legitimately didn't think she was in my bed with me. And my little sister came down and was like, Hey, do you know where ginger is? And I was like, Nope, haven't seen her. And then like several minutes later, I like adjust in my bed. This was like one morning, like I was waking up, I adjust and I like put my leg and my leg starts like moving up and down. And I'm like, what the heck? And that stupid cat was wrapped up in my bed, like all in my blankets. Like it was, she was buried under there. She gets in the randomest places or the, my favorite picture of her is probably where she's, she's under like our bathroom counter and she didn't knock anything over. I don't know how she got back there. Like she, she didn't knock anything over. She's just sitting there. Like everything is fine and dandy. And I just think it's hilarious. So she's really funny. Um, and then another person asked, something. what's something beautifully selfish that you would buy for you if you had all the money for it? And I've actually been thinking about this because I feel like most of the things I really want are, like, somewhat attainable. Like, if I really wanted them and I, like, justified buying them, I could go buy them. Like, you know what I mean? Um, but I think... The most beautifully selfish thing that I would do is I would take myself on a vacation. Like, I'm sorry, I work my butt off. <laughs> I do so much for school and for work, and like, if I was gonna be selfish for a minute, I'd be like, "Oh yeah, I deserve a vacay. Let's go. Let's all expenses paid, please. And um, I want to spend at least two weeks there um, with my favorite people." I'll decide who that is at the time you know people can come with me and I'll I'd probably go again Ugh, would I say I go, I go to New York I don't know I want to go to so many different places I I also kind of want to go to like an island or like a beach but I don't really want to go to Hawaii because like I just feel like everyone goes to Hawaii so I don't know I've always wanted to go to Haiti because they speak a French Creole and I think that'd be cool I've always wanted to go to South Africa, like Johannesburg. That'd be cool. I speak a little French. So like going to Paris or Quebec would be fun. Um, I also, weirdly enough, have wanted to go to India just to see what it looks like. Like, you know, Singapore, maybe the Philippines. I don't know. There's so many cool places. I mean, even going to like South America, like, oh, the food there. Oh, my gosh. I feel like if I went down there, I'd be stuck with that. Like, I'd be stuck there forever because I just wouldn't want to leave. I don't know. There's too many places, but moral of the story is I would take myself on a a freaking awesome trip. Going back to some, like, eating disorder-related things, how do you deal with people around you not eating a lot or having a good relationship with food? So, this actually happens more than you might think. Um, Even just the other day, I was thinking about it. I was like, you know what? I work five-hour shifts, five or six-hour shifts at a time um at least and i swear i'm like the only one that brings food and i'm like what most people eat out so some people will go buy food but i'm like i like never see other people snacking as much as i snack so sometimes it feels a little odd or um people around me like when i was in high school like some people wouldn't eat lunch um other people would eat lunch but like it was barely even considered a lunch um or just negative comments about food. It happens a lot where people have an interesting or odd, unhealthy relationship with food. I think the best advice that I could, the best piece of encouragement that I could really give is to remember all of the different things that you've you've learned in recovery or through intuitive eating, whatever your unique situation is, remember those things and cling to them. You also have to remember that you and them are not the same. You could wake up and you could each have exactly the same amount of exactly the same food all day, all week and you would be completely different people. One of you would be more hungry, one of you would be less hungry, one of you would look different. Your bodies would be different. Your energy levels would be different. You're different people, you're different human beings. And so what you have to remember is that you have to listen to you. No one knows your body better than you. And so if you're hungry, you're hungry. Eat some food. Like nourish yourself. Um, If you want something and they're not feeling like maybe you're really feeling like ice cream that night and they're not really feeling it, okay, go to the freezer, pull out some ice cream, you know, go to Baskin Robbins, whatever, and, and you don't have to be the same as someone else. So your relationship with food and their relationship with food can be mutually exclusive is ultimately what I'm kind of getting at. So I think really, and setting boundaries, Tuning into yourself and setting boundaries is key. I mean, if somebody is constantly talking negatively about food or commenting on your food or um, just anything like that, you can set a boundary and say, hey, you know what? I'm This isn't a place of diet talk. I'm not really a fan of that. Um, it's not helpful to me. So could we please just not discuss that here? That would be perfect. That would be absolutely perfect. Or you could say something along the lines of, hey, you know what? I'm hungry and I physically need to eat right now. I'm need to nourish my body and so I am going to have this you know granola bar and cheese stick or this sandwich or this whatever and I mean you could even invite them say hey you know what I'm having some crackers do you want some crackers no okay great I'm gonna eat my crackers because I'm I'm hungry or I want to eat them or whatever the reasoning might be your relationship with food doesn't have to be their relationship with food Following along with that, like what are some healthy as in balanced, not over restrictive um, things that everyone can implement? And I wasn't sure if this question was referring specifically to like foods and meals or just like mental health practices. So I'm just going to touch on both foods. I'm not a dietitian, um, so I'm not going to tell you what you can, cannot eat. Everyone's physical bodies and illnesses, um, anything like that. Are different. So, I mean, you might be allergic to peanut butter and that might be a horrible option for you. For me, that's fine. Um, So, it's going to look different for everyone. My biggest, the key word there though is balance. That's my biggest piece of advice, balance. If you only eat grapes and kale, you're not going to be very healthy. But if you also only eat donuts and ice cream, you're not going to be very healthy. It's gotta be a balance. You've got to eat a variety of foods. Um, so, I mean, if you're having, for example, maybe you're doing some cereal. At bre- I'm trying to think of like a typical day for me. Um, maybe you're gonna have yogurt and some mini muffins and um, a fruit snack for breakfast and then you're going to have you know some snacks throughout the day and those are going to be like some granola bars some chips some crackers some you know treats whatever for lunch you're going to want to you're going to want to have you know maybe a salad with some what heck have salad and pizza you know like that's something I would eat like these are all foods that I would eat. I, my, I never show you guys what I eat in a day or even what I eat in a week because it's different every day and it's different for every person every day and it's just not helpful. I think looking at what other people are eating around you and getting a sense of what's kind of normal because what is normal, but what's quote unquote normal is helpful but recreating an influencer's what I eat in day video is not going to be helpful to you. So I think that's important when it comes to foods and meals. As far as mental health practices is concerned, definitely mindfulness is a big one, especially for me. Um, mindfulness, just really tuning into what you need, taking care of yourself, being kind to your mind, um, extending yourself some compassion, cutting yourself some slack, Uh, validating your emotions or reaching out for help when you need it, Um, taking your medication if you're prescribed that and that works for you, going to therapy if that works for you, you know, tuning into whatever resources you have available to you and making time, making your mental health a priority. My favorite speaking engagement, I honestly can't decide. I love them all and that's really dumb to say, but it's true. I just, I love speaking. I love staying in front of people. I think sometimes I do better than others, um, which is kind of a given, but there's not one in particular that stands, stands out to me. Maybe someday there will be. Um, But yeah, I honestly just love speaking um, specifically to youth is, is my favorite. So youth speaking engagements. um, I love that. And then my sister, I'll be honest. I, my sister submitted this question. She asked who is Nick and Nick is not a very common person that people know because I don't talk about him a lot. Nick is from the behavioral team at primary children's hospital. Um, so if anybody knows a Nick that worked at primary children's hospital in 2017, October of 2017, and they they were part of the behavioral team, uh, have them reach out to me because like I owe them so much um (laughs) shout out to Nick but I when I speak I tell a story about Nick and how um I'm was in my bedroom my bedroom my like hospital room and watching my movies reading my books every time I started a new show I would get interrupted like every time so I turned on a show one time and I was like okay like I'm just gonna wait and see who's gonna come sure enough here comes nick from the behavioral team nick comes in and um when i first (laughs) when i first heard like from nick i'm like who is this guy like people would come in and out of my room all the time doctors the gi team like whoever um and so i'm like yeah what hello who's your name what are you here for um he's like hi i'm nick from the behavioral team i'm like okay so i'm like what do you want nick from the behavioral team um he always interrupted my movies, but Nick would always come by and I always told him like all my life story. Like I've literally just poured my soul out to this guy and I have no idea what he did with all of that information. And he seemed a little like overwhelmed. Like he didn't seem like he dealt with eating disorder patients a lot. Um, he didn't seem like he was specializing in eating disorders. So I felt kind of bad for him. Like I was just laying everything out there. And for whatever reason, like it was just me and Nick in the room, the door was closed and I just poured out my soul to this guy and I'm like crying. And I told him once, I was like, I was telling him all this and all he really said to me was that sounds really hard. I'm sorry. That sounds really hard. I'm sorry. And I said, I kind of was like sniffing a little and, you know, I was like, Oh, crying. And I was like, you know what it is. It is hard, but it's okay. It's going to be okay. And Um, So that's one of my, my good experiences with Nick, but he came and visited me a few times and then I've never heard or heard or seen from him since but um, my sisters made me a mug that says Nick from the behavioral team. And when I talk about Nick from the behavioral team, I talk about him as if he's like Jake from State Farm. (laughs) So when I say Nick from the behavioral team, I say it like I like someone would say Jake from State Farm. So that's why Nick is, you know. Some people think that's hilarious. Um, but the someone then asked, what is the best way to practice patience? Hashtag, the struggle is real. I feel that on a personal level. I am not the best person to ask that question. Um, patience is one of my biggest weaknesses. Patience and trust. Those are like mm, my big downfalls. But I feel like being patient, okay, being patient is hard like say you're waiting in line for something I hate that I'm like uh, give me what I want now I'm ready I like I gotta go that's hard but even harder than that is like long-term patience like patience in a relationship patience for waiting for something that you have worked so hard for patience um I don't know patience on like a big life event like you're buying a house or you know you're trying to book a gig or whatever that patience is crazy hard. Um, And sometimes I think patience can only be developed because you don't have an option. Like you have to be patient. (laughs) Um, And so it's like, it's when you have to be patient, it's so hard. So the best way to practice patience, I think is to just recognize when you have to be patient. I'm really not the best person to ask that. I'm sure there's someone that we could get on here that has a way better response um so if I come across anything I will for sure have them on the podcast or um on Instagram or something but patience is hard for me and um obviously it's hard for some of you too so it's good to know that we're not we're not alone it is hard um, but I think do the best that you can do the best that you can and then let yourself know that you're human any advice for helping people who you love who are struggling with suicide This is a good question. Um, I think I've been on both ends of this spectrum. First of all, I've been the one that has been struggling and I've been the one that's helping. And it's hard. It's really hard. My first experience ever was when a friend reached out to me and I asked them because they had been learning about some things in in health class about the, the risk factors for suicide. And I asked via text have you considered suicide? And they said, yes. And I wasn't sure what to do about that. And so I talked to my mom about it and we reached out to parents and things like that and just made sure that they were getting the help that they needed. And they were, and they're doing much better. This, is, this was years ago. Um, later was when I developed my eating disorder and was struggling with depression and some suicidal ideation. And for me at the time, I couldn't even say the word suicide. That was so hard. And so I I went to my mom eventually and I said, you know what? I, I shouldn't be alone anymore. And she knew what that meant. And we took that very seriously and we took whatever precautions we had to. And I discussed that with my therapist and I was watched for quite a while. And... Um, it was hard. It was hard. And I have so much compassion for those that are struggling with those types of thoughts or actions. And um, my heart goes out to them. And the hopeful thing, though, is that there are a lot of resources. There's a lot of people to turn to. I would say if you're someone who's helping someone, I've had um, a really, really close friend since my eating disorder that was struggling with suicide that I've stayed up talking to all night long, you know, telling them, hey, I will come to your house if you need me to. I will um I'll do whatever you need me to right now. I've also had to kind of go against their will, even though they didn't want me to tell anyone about it, um, or anything like that. And I knew that it could possibly ruin our relationship for really forever. And um I love them enough to say, you know what, I'm willing to take that risk. I'm willing to our relationship on the line i'm willing to have you hate me for the rest of your days but i love you enough that i'm going to make sure someone knows about this and obviously um i did it in a very respectful and appropriate way and so that's the next thing i did i woke up the next morning i talked to my mom i talked to my dad and i had an action plan in place i said yep i'm going to talk to this person um because they can talk to this person and we're going to get down to the bottom of this and we did and treatment was um, available. And so that's important. I've been on many a phone calls with friends' as moms saying, hey, by the way, this is what is going on. Um, sometimes with their consent and sometimes without. Um, and that's, what, that's just what you gotta do. There's resources about like um, suicide trainings and awarenesses and preventions. You can make a crisis plan card I have some resources available on my Instagram under the suicide highlight. Um, If you go to my Instagram, it's at every ounce of strength. So check that out. I do have some great resources there from some great people. Um, But if you or someone you know is struggling with suicide, let me double check the the national hotline. I'm 98% sure I have it memorized, but it's 1-800-273-8255 or a talk. So 1-800-273-TALK, which is 8255. So you're welcome to reach out to them. Um, available 24-7. If you need to, reach out to a family, to friends. At the least, just reach out and say, you know what? I'm struggling. I don't know what to do about it, but I'm struggling. Great. Start there. Just say something, please. Life itself is a reason worth living. It's so possible to have a hopeful and happy, filled future. I understand I've been in those those heartbreaking moments when life just doesn't seem to be worth it or that there's anything around the next corner or that it's just too hard. Um, and my heart my heart goes out to those individuals because. My life will never be the same because of those experiences that I've had. And I appreciate those who are willing to help and who are willing to spread awareness and who are willing to devote their own lives to prevention. Um, because suicide is very real. And it's, it's very hard to navigate. Um, regardless of what end of the spectrum you're on, whether you're the helper or the helpie. And um, please just know that it is so, so worth it. It's so worth it to keep fighting. It's so worth it. Trust me. Trust me when I say that. If you don't take anything else from me, trust me when I tell you that. Because I've been there. I've been in your shoes. I've been the one whose thoughts are filled with hopelessness and doubt and self-loathe. I get it. And there's treatment. There's help. there's, There's resources. You don't have to feel this way forever. You don't need to be miserable. There are people out there who are trained specifically to help these types of situations. And they're available and they want to help you. They're ready and willing to do whatever they have to do. So please don't make the choice to end your life when there is a possibility of so much goodness ahead of you. Again, I'm going to I'm gonna read that suicide prevention hotline again. It's 1-800-273-8255. The next question is kind of on the flip side of that. Maybe some advice for someone with an unsupportive family. I don't know if this is specifically referring to eating disorders, to mental health, to suicidal ideation, but regardless, um, not having a support system is really hard. I fortunately was blessed with a very, very good support system. I don't know if I would have made it as far as I have without a good support system, but the good news is, is that you don't have to have a good support system. It helps, it helps a lot. It helps a lot, a lot, a lot but recovery is not out of the picture for you. It's not, that's not a requirement. Um, sometimes family isn't supportive. Sometimes people don't believe in eating disorders. They just don't think that you really have a problem. You just need a diet. You just need to eat different. You just need to, you know, whatever, or mental health. Just keep your chin up, square your shoulders, keep on trucking. You know what I mean? It's, they don't understand this is a clinical, this is clinical depression. This is a, a diagnosed eating disorder. This is a mental illness, which is just the same as a physical illness. You're sick, just like anyone else was. And there's treatment and there's professionals trained to do those things. And thank the heavens that there are. And so not having a supportive family or supportive friends um, or just supportive people around you is extremely difficult. Whatever resources you have, use them. Um, If that's a therapist, use it. If that's a life coach, use it. If that's a friend that you can talk to, great. If that's um, a virtual person that you can reach out to, great. If that's um, a coworker, great. Whatever you've got in your toolbox, use it. Whatever boundaries you have to set with your family, do. It's hard. It's hard. But if someone in your life is not beneficial to you, they're detrimental to your well-being, I don't care if they're family or not, see ya. Bye bye. Set boundaries, set clear boundaries, and enforce those boundaries, or extend an invitation to them. Say, you know what, this is what I'm struggling with. This is what I'm doing about it. I'm going to get this help. I'm going to get this treatment, or I've been, re- you know, I've read this book. I checked this book out from the library, and I read this book. And this is what I'm going through. And this is what I'm doing about it. I would love for your support. It would mean a lot to me, and I think that it would really help me you can ask for that invitation. You can send resources and say hey, you know what? I know you're not 100% sure what I'm going through right now, but this is this is the best way I can find to inform you about it. So I'm going to send you this article. I'm going to send you this podcast. Give them those resources, help them because in being in their shoes is not easy either. And so there is A lot of hard things that come with that, like having to validate yourself and recognize that you are deserving of treatment and you are deserving of care as is. You're enough as is. Nothing has to change for you to be worthy of that. And creating support, building a support system is critical and setting those boundaries and extending validation are probably the three biggest things that I would recommend. The best advice I've ever received. (sighs) I've been thinking about this one a lot. The best advice I've ever received. I've received a lot of good advice and I've had a lot of cool experiences. Um, But honestly, I think the best piece of advice I've ever received is four short words um, that'll be with me forever. And I'll tell you when these, these words first really resonated with me. It was between my pediatrician appointment and being admitted to the hospital. Um, I had gone home, packed, said a prayer with my mom. We were driving to Salt Lake and we stopped by my dad's work to drop something off or something like that to see him. Obviously, he knew what was going on. He had been informed, but I didn't even want to look at him. I was embarrassed. I was ashamed. I didn't know what to do. And he, we rolled up and we rolled down the window and he was standing outside my door. And he talked to my mom for a bit. And then he talked to me and he said, Lex, you take care of yourself. And that to this day is probably the best advice that I've ever received that I can remember. And I take that as take care of yourself. Take care of your mind. Take care of your body. Take care of your soul. Okay. Give yourself grace bless not impress develop resilience take care of you that's one thing that you can do and I think that's so critical we have to be kind to our minds we have to be kind to our minds there's no other way to do it so that's probably my advice to listeners is to take care of yourself whatever you've got to do go do it that doesn't mean be selfish that means take care of yourself. That's not selfish. Self-care isn't selfish. Getting treatment isn't selfish. You can't help others until you help yourself. So definitely that's probably it. Take care of yourself. Thanks, Dad. Shout out to Dad for that piece of amazing advice. He doesn't probably doesn't even remember that. And then I just have a few more questions left if you're still with me this far. Shout out to you. You're the freaking best. What the heck VIP podcast listener. Thank you. I appreciate it. My dream podcast guest. (sighs) T-Row, where are you at? Where are you at? I need Tiffany on the podcast at some point or another. Dream come true. There's a few though. I mean, Tiffany Rowe is definitely up there. Sarah Nicole Landry is definitely up there. She's the Birds Papaya on Instagram. Like, we're going like celebrity celebrities Demi Lovato baby oh yeah oh yeah me and Demi could sit down and have a good chat a good chat she I love her I love that I love that woman so yeah I have a few a lot I have a lot let's be honest there's more than that there's a I have a list (laughs) I have a physical list (laughs) of dream podcast guests Uh, but we'll leave it at that for now now for those of you that have made it this far, it's very important that I provide you with some information that is very important, and this is where we're going to start getting into the critical um, podcast questions. Some of the some of the deeper stuff. You thought we were deep already? Mm-mm, not not yet. This is the deep. This is the juicy. A detailed explanation of the fruit snack scales. <laughs> okay, now I'm obsessed with fruit snacks. I'm going to go from best to least. I think of it like a hierarchy. Think of like Maslow's hierarchy of needs. That's how I think of fruit snacks, like the fruit snack scale. So number one on the list, my all-time favorite is treetop. Treetop fruit snacks. They're superior to all other fruit snacks. Flavor is fantastic. Texture is great. Mm, it's so good. You get enough in a package. The branding is great. It's, it's just the best. It's literally just the best. Treetop top has unfortunately i emailed them and was like what the heck i can't find your fruit snacks anywhere and they're my all-time favorite they're out of production and it doesn't sound like they're ever coming back into production so that's really really sad they are so good you guys if you ever get your hands on treetop fruit snacks oh my gosh they're heaven sent but so those are technically out of production so i haven't had one in a long time but they're so good the next up on the list has got to be welch's welch's are pretty good they're flavorful. They've got different variety. I like the colors. They're pretty good. Welch's are, Welch's are good. They're up there. They're my, they're my favorite that you can buy in stores as of now. Next is probably, let me think, probably Kellogg's, I'd say. Kellogg's, like the, Um, they don't have as wide of a variety, but I like the texture. They're not too gooey and like, but they're not Hardy. they're like they're squishy they're I don't know they're good and they have strawberries raspberries and blueberries so not a huge variety but they're good um after that I've probably got to say moths moths and black forest are kind of neck and neck so like probably moths after that moths are just a little sticky That's my only complaint with Mott, is they're just a little sticky, like they stick together, they're a little gooey, I don't know, I just don't love that about them. But otherwise, and they get stuck in your teeth, otherwise they're good though. And then Black Forest, Black Forest has the juice on the inside, that's one way to know Black Forests really well. Um, They're flavorful, they're good, not as many come in a pack though, so that's kind of a bummer. Um... And then contrary to popular opinion, the smiley face fruit snacks, I don't even know what brand that is, worst fruit snacks ever. Actually, that's probably a lie. There's probably like some random off-brand fruit snacks that are actually the worst, but like, I just don't like the, I just don't like the, the smiley face fruit snacks. They're just meh. They're not a real version of fruit snacks. You know, I don't know. You're welcome to disagree with me. And then last but not least, what's coming up for every ounce of strength? That's a really good question because sometimes I don't even know. I don't even know. Podcast is coming along. I'm not sure what the future of the podcast looks like. I mean, it'll for sure keep being a thing, but I'm not sure. I might switch over to like seasons and do like episodes every week for a period of time and then take a few months off. Like, I'm not sure. Um, so, but right now it's staying the same. And then Obviously, the Instagram this summer, now that finals is over, I'm excited to focus more on Instagram, growing my following, reaching more people, more motivational speaking. If you want me to come speak, I will speak any day. Oh, I love speaking. Come reach out to me for speaking. I want to create some courses. So some courses might be in the process. Um, let me think what else is going on. I have it all very organized in a binder every ounce, my baby. So podcast, Instagram courses. Oh, you name it. It's probably going to be in the works sometime or another. So stay tuned. The best place to connect with me is on Instagram, which is at of strength. If you didn't catch it the first second or third billion times that I've said it during this episode. And obviously this podcast is another great area to subscribe, follow, whatever. Um, and that's called the every ounce podcast. So with that, I thank you all so much for tuning in today. I hope that I've been able to bring some encouragement and positivity to your minds in regards to mental health, eating disorder recovery, and advocacy in general. If you know someone that would benefit from this episode, please send them this podcast. And be sure to check out of Strength on Instagram. I love you guys so much. Until next time, may you fight with every ounce. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Please remember that this podcast, my Instagram account, or any other content on my website should not be used as a replacement for therapy or professional treatment. Eating disorders and mental health conditions are serious psychological and physiological illnesses that should be treated appropriately by licensed professionals. This space is simply for the purpose of community support, offering suggestions, giving hope, and encouraging recovery. Until next time, may you fight with every ounce of strength.